0: Section 63 of Lay Down Your Arms. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Lay Down Your Arms by Bertha von Suttner. Translated by Timothy Holmes. Chapter 15, Part 3. We found the city of Berlin in the height of jubilation. Every counter-jumper and every street-loafer bore on his countenance a certain consciousness of victory. We have given the fellows there a good looking. That appears anyhow to be a very elevating feeling, and one which may be spread over the whole population. Still, in the families which we visited, we found many people deeply cast down, those, that is to say, who had one never to be forgotten lying dead on the German or Bohemian battlefields. For my own part, I feared most the meeting with Aunt Cornelia again, I knew that her handsome son Godfrey was her idol, her all, and I could judge of the pang which the poor bereaved mother must now be experiencing. I had only to fancy to myself that my Rudolph, if I had brought him up to manhood, know that thought I absolutely refused to think out. Our visit was announced. With a beating heart I entered Frau von Teslow's house. Even in the antechamber the morning which reigned in the house was perceptible. The footman who opened the door for us wore a black livery. In the great reception room, the chairs of which were covered over with chair covers, there was no fire lighted, and the mirrors and pictures on the walls were all covered with crepe. From hence the door into Aunt Cornelia's bedroom was open for us, and she received us there. It was a very large room, divided into two by a curtain, behind which the bed stood, and it served Aunt Cornelia now as her regular reception room. She no longer quitted the house at all, except every Sunday to go to the cathedral, and very seldom her room, except for one hour every day, which she spent in what had been Godfrey's study. In this, everything was left standing or lying as he had left it on the day of his departure. She took us into it, in the course of our visit, and made us read a letter, which he had laid on his portfolio. My own dear mother, I know well that you will come here after my departure, and then you will find this letter my personal departure is over. So much the more will it please and surprise you to find one more line, to hear one more last word from me, and indeed a joyful, hopeful one. Be of good cheer. I shall come back again. Two hearts that hang together so entirely as ours do, fate will not tear asunder. I've settled now that I'm going to serve through a fortunate campaign, gain stars and crosses, and then make you a grandmother six times over. I kiss your hand, I kiss your dear soft forehead. Oh, you most adored of all little mothers. Your Godfrey. When we went into Aunt Cornelia's room, she was not alone. A gentleman in a long black coat, recognizable at the first glance as a clergyman, was sitting opposite to her. She got up and came to meet us. The clergyman rose at the same time from his seat, but remained standing in the background. What I expected occurred. When I embraced the old lady, both of us, she and I broke out into loud sobs. Frederick also did not remain dry-eyed as he pressed the mourner to his heart. In this first minute no word at all was spoken. All that one could say at such a moment, at one's first meeting after a severe misfortune, is sufficiently expressed by tears. She led us back to the place where they were sitting, and pointed us to the chairs that stood there. Then, after drying her eyes, she made the introduction, my nephew, Colonel Baron Tilling, Herr Mosler, head military chaplain and consistorial counsellor. Silent bows were exchanged. My friend and spiritual adviser, she proceeded, who has allowed me to lay on him the burden of instructing me in my trouble. But who unfortunately has not succeeded in instilling into you the proper resignation, the proper joy in bearing the cross, my valued friend, said he why is it that I have always to witness a fresh outburst of these very foolish tears? Oh, forgive me, when I last saw my nephew with his sweet young wife, my Godfrey was there. She could speak no further. Your son was there, in this sinful world, still exposed to all temptations and dangers, while now he has gone into the bosom of the father, after meeting with the most glorious and most blessed of deaths for king and country. You, Colonel, turning now to my husband, who have just been introduced to me as a soldier, can assist me to give this afflicted mother the consolation that her son's fate is an enviable one. You must know what delight in death animates the brave warrior. The resolve to offer his life as a sacrifice on the altar of his country glorifies for him all the pain of departing this life. And though he sinks in the storm of the battle amidst the thunder of the artillery, yet he expects to be transferred to the great army on high and to be present when the lord of sabbath holds muster above. You, colonel, have come back in the number of those to whom divine providence has granted a righteous victory. Forgive me, reverend consistorial counselor, I was in the Austrian service. Oh, I thought, oh, really, replied the other, quite confused, a grand brave army too is the Austrian. He rose, but I will not intrude longer you will be wishing doubtless to talk of family matters. Farewell, dear lady. In a few days I will come again. Till then raise your thoughts to the all-merciful, without whose will not a hair falls from our heads, and who causes all things to serve for the good of those that love him, even sorrow and suffering, even privation and death. I salute you with all devotion." My aunt shook his hand. "'I hope I shall see you soon, very soon, pray.' He bowed to us all, and was stepping toward the door when Frederick detained him. "'Reverend Consistorial Counselor, may I ask you a favor? Pray tell me what it is, Colonel. I conclude from your conversation that you are penetrated equally by the religious and the military spirit. In that case you might do me a great pleasure.' I listened with interest. What could Frederick mean? The fact is, he continued, that my little wife here is full of scruples and doubts of all sorts her opinion is that from a christian point of view war is not quite permissible i of course know to the contrary for there is no alliance closer than that between the professions of priest and soldier but i have not the eloquence to make this clear to my wife would you then reverend consistorial counsellor so far favour us as to give us to-morrow or next day an hour of your conversation with the view—'Oh, with great pleasure,' the clergyman said, interrupting him, "'will you give me your address?' Frederick gave him his card, and the day and hour of the visit he asked for were fixed at once. Then we remained alone with our aunt. "'Does your intercourse with this friend really afford you consolation?' asked Frederick. "'Consolation? There is no consolation for me any more here below. But he speaks so much, and so beautifully, about the things which I like most to hear of—' about death and mourning, about the cross and sacrifice and resignation. He paints the world which my poor Godfrey had to leave and from which I longed to be released as such a veil of misery, of corruption, of sin, and of advancing ruin. And so it seems to me a little less mournful that my child has been called away. He is assuredly in heaven, and here on this earth the powers of hell often prevail. That is true." "'I have again seen proof of that close to me,' replied Frederick thoughtfully. "'The poor lady next questioned him about the two campaigns that he had passed through, the one with, the other against, Godfrey. He had to relate hundreds of details, and in doing so he was able to give the bereaved mother the same comfort that he once brought me back from the war in Italy, namely that the lamented one had died a rapid and painless death. It was a long and mournful visit. I also again recounted there all the details of the horrible cholera week and my experiences on the Bohemian battlefields. Before we left, Aunt Cornelia took us into Godfrey's room, where I wept bitter tears anew at the perusal of the letter which I have quoted above, and of which at a later period I begged a copy. End of Section 63